today's Winning Cures Everything, the Arizona president talks Pac-12 media rights, the NCAA goes to Congress. Is the Nebraska curse over? A D2 championship coach gets suspended. Sark talks about Red River. Which games can it 10 million viewers and more? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. Are you kidding me? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host. A confident young man. A superb athlete. Gary Seegers. Welcome back to Winning Cures Everything, powered by BetUS, where we talk college football news and rumors all year round. I'm Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And this is the Saturday, April 1st edition of the show. It's season 8, episode 22. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button for me. Looks like this. And whether you're watching or listening to the podcast, hit subscribe so you never miss the latest tales from the college football universe. Now, I normally don't do shows on Saturdays. I I planned on doing this one on Friday, but uh, tornado conditions had other plans for where I work and for my family. So luckily, you know, my house is still here. Family is all good, but man, what a round of storms. Uh, We've got another one coming up on Tuesday, so be prepared for it. By the way, I I don't do a ton of shout-outs, but if you like keeping up with the weather, Ryan Hall on YouTube is my go-to. He and his team are on top of everything. Uh, Fantastic coverage. Um, Now, a bit of an announcement. I know we've got nearly 3,000 new subscribers on YouTube since my old partner left the show last summer for other business ventures. Some of you guys may not know him, but Chris Giannini is making a return to the show. I'll be live streaming the first round of the NFL draft as we have done every year for, good Lord, I don't even know how long, five years, maybe longer. Either way, we're streaming the first round with myself, Chris, and our buddies from the Westlot Pirates, which, uh, for those of you that don't know, is the single best Northwestern football podcast in the entire Western Hemisphere. Uh, they talk Big Ten as well, but Sam, John, and Scuzz are awesome, and, and getting Chris back on the show is really going to be a fun night. So mark it on your calendars, Thursday, April 27th, and we'll start up right when the draft starts, so right about 8 p.m. Eastern time. All right, what, what a wild week it's been. As I mentioned, we had to deal with tornado threats in the Memphis area last night. My family and I had to shelter in our safe place twice uh, last night, but we got lucky. Thoughts with everyone who did not get as lucky. Like every, I think everybody in Wynn, Arkansas pretty much had to deal with this. Uh, and everybody that was in Covington, Tennessee, uh, among other places. If there are any fundraisers, send them over to me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Uh, I'm recording this right before an exciting, definitely interesting Final Four, FAU and San Diego State. Like, I mean, who who would have thought that? Uh, and then you've got UConn against Miami. I swear UConn gets some of the more ridiculous Final Fours in the history of the sport. Like, looking back, I think it was 2011, they beat Kentucky and then had to beat Butler and, and Butler had to beat VCU in the other Final Four game. In 2014, uh, I think it was eight-seed Kentucky that they beat for a national championship. Just crazy stuff. Go back and look at, at UConn's Final Fours. 
Uh, also, you can throw this one out there. Uh, UConn's last three national titles were in Houston, San Antonio, and Arlington. Now, there is something about the Huskies and Texas Final Fours. Uh, but either way, you guys know I love college basketball. This is a college football show. We got some things to talk about today. It's going to be a little bit of a long one, so let's go ahead and hop into it. We'll start right here. The Arizona president gives the latest on Pac-12 media rights. Now, after weeks of rumors and sources and, uh, you know, the, the common we expect to deal soon stuff, uh, who would have thought we would get actual statements from a Pac-12 president who was actually present for last week's overhyped board meeting? Dennis Dodd has an article from Thursday over at CBS Sports titled, Nothing to Suggest New Pac-12 Media Rights Deal is Near with 15 Months Left on Current Contract. Uh, in which he spoke with Arizona President Robert Robbins. Now, Robbins is leaving next Tuesday for a trip to Kazakhstan, and he won't be back until the second week of April, which means we can certainly expect that there won't be any Pac-12 news until at least mid-April, right? A lot of the articles about the potential demise of the Pac-12 or expansion or a pending media rights deal has been shrouded in sources, and a lot of times uh, different media members have conflicting reports because they do have different sources. Uh, I've long said that nobody knows what to expect, but in this case, Dodd got quotes directly from somebody that's in those rooms and who is directly impacted by what's happening. Now, Robbins is the one who set a soft April 15th deadline for the Pac-12 to at least present a financial estimate, which it means this. If the presidents didn't have any financials, nobody else did either, right? Uh, the quotes in the story did not disappoint. So make sure, of course, go over to CBSSports.com and, uh, and take a look at it. But let's dissect exactly what President Robbins was saying here. All right, quote, I have heard nothing to suggest a deal is imminent. There's all these things about, well, we want to wait until after the Final Four. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with assessing who is the right fit, who assesses us. Okay, now breaking that one down, if the presidents don't know, or I guess he's letting you know, presidents do not know, which means that nobody knows what I just said. There's no deal being voted on right now. They don't even know the numbers. As far as assessing who is the right fit and who assesses them, to me, uh, this is because they still don't know what to do with streaming or linear. But we're, we're going to get into that. Okay, moving on. Uh, another quote here. I hope Commissioner Klyovkov gets something done sooner rather than later so that the whole thing stops, so we don't have to focus on it. But I am perfectly willing to sit here and wait. Now, to me, it, that sounds like the presidents are as tired of this process as we are. Right, Seriously, it is exhausting. The interesting thing here uh, is him saying, I am perfectly willing to sit here and wait. Like I think it is absolutely true that Arizona, along with at likely at least a couple of other schools, would prefer to stay in the Pac-12, but haven't ruled out the idea of moving to another conference to keep their athletics program stable. Right. So moving along, we got another quote here. This is a quote from him that says, This whole streaming thing, that's overplayed. I think this deal is going to have a heavy traditional analog cable piece. I think. There may be some streaming in it, but I don't think anybody would want to go majority streaming. Whoa. <laughs> right? Like, this is this is bananas. We have not heard anybody try to claim that the reports of a mostly streaming deal were incorrect. Robbins stating that he doesn't think anybody would want to go majority streaming says to me that Apple is not going to be interested in this. Like, the interesting part here is the idea that there could be a heavy linear partner. ESPN is, reportedly, still wanting the Pac-12, but how many games are they willing to put on ESPN, ESPN2, ABC, etc., 
uh, because they've already got a ton of other conference deals already done. And how much are they willing to spend? That's the bigger issue here. Uh, there's been talk that NBC could be a, a last-ditch Hail Mary partner, but they've got their afternoons and evenings already tied up with Notre Dame and the Big Ten. Like, do they do a USA Network Peacock deal and put Pac-12 games like on NBC when Notre Dame doesn't have a home game? Now, that's a possibility, but how much more is NBC interested in spending on a Pac-12 deal after they just got done with the Big Ten deal, right? They've got Notre Dame that's coming up in 2025. They just got the Big Ten deal done, and they spent a fortune for the Big Ten Saturday night deal. Why would you go and get the Pac-12 for, you know, maybe some of the afternoons and to maybe go on your USA Network stuff? Are, are they trying to push USA Network? Like, that's, that's interesting. The current Pac-12 deal ends on July 1st, 2024. Nadad stated that future media deals are typically done around 18 months beforehand. The Pac-12 deal was done two and a half years early. The SEC and ESPN announced their new 10-year deal, which starts in 2024, back in December of 2020. Now, this that the Pac-12 is doing right now is not common. However, the Big Ten did just announce their deal in August 2022, and it begins on July 1st, 2023. It's only about 11 months prior. So it's, it's not unheard of. It's just not common. All right, continuing on. Quote, I don't feel the angst of everyone else in the world. Maybe it's because I'm too dumb to realize. Uh, we've got a deal for another 15 months. We're the only ones out there. It's not like we're competing with anybody else. Nobody out there is wanting to do a deal. We'll wait and see what happens. Okay, let's break this down. He is correct. They're not competing, and there's not anyone wanting to do a deal right now. But that's because the Big 12 beat them to the punch. The Big 10 and the SEC have deals starting in the next two years, and the ACC is locked in until 2036. So I don't know that it's quite the advantage that he's tossing out here, right? Uh, before this last quote, Robbins told CBS a couple of weeks ago that Arizona had options, and, and he suggested that if it's not satisfied with the Pac-12's new deal, Arizona has the ability to drive to Lubbock, which is an interesting quote. Uh, his quote is, It wasn't because I was emboldened because we have options. There is, a, there is no deal or no agreement where, if everything blows up, we've got someplace to go. Uh, look, bottom line on this, he knows that the Big 12 wants Arizona. Academically, he would love to stay with the Pac-12. Uh, Arizona has grown significantly due to the partnership with the Pac-12. But if the Pac-12 is falling apart... Arizona will not get caught holding the bag. They're not going to get caught without a home. So the Pac-12 has to make sure that Arizona is set up in this, right? Uh, Dodd references Nick Kahn's interview with Marshawn and Oran multiple times towards the end of the article, as he should, because like Kahn is as tied into the world of sports media as anybody in the country. He's a former executive at CAA. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he helped negotiate uh, the SEC's deal with ESPN and the WWE's with NBC Universal and Fox. Like prior to him joining WWE as an executive, he's represented Herb Street, Tom Rinaldi, uh, Colin Cowherd, Clay Travis, among a bunch of others. Like Khan knows a lot of stuff. He stated in that interview that the Pac-12 got caught off guard with UCLA leaving the Pac-12 along with USC. People knew USC could leave. They didn't have a clue about UCLA. Uh, and Khan stated, I didn't love that I saw some complaining about it after by the Pac-12. Complaining is not a strategy. Now, he's not wrong. Klyovkov even spent time lobbying the UC system to try and block UCLA's move, which wasted valuable time and resources, and, and really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. 
Like Khan says they should try to sign a shorter contract to stable everything or stabilize everything and then work on a longer-term deal. But here's my question. How many potential partners want to just give some money now and then give a lot more later? Like most want financial certainty over a longer term. And I don't imagine that the conference is going to grow a lot, at least in popularity, over the next three years. Like at three to five years, I guess. Like at the end of the day, all this is still incredibly interesting uh, and still incredibly exhausting. This has been a complete disaster. The fact that the presidents have no idea about potential financials uh, when they're attempting to budget ahead is unbelievable. Like I'm, I'm beyond ready to see the end of this. Looks like we're going to be waiting for for quite some time going forward. All right, Winning Cures Everything is brought to you by BetUS with fast payouts, fantastic customer service a myriad of options to bet on, and an easy-to-use layout. It is easy to see why it's been America's favorite online sportsbook for nearly 30 years. Right now, they'll give you $50 to play with with no deposit required just by signing up using the link in the description. So take advantage of the deal. Get signed up at BetUS, where the game begins. Now, when you have a pretty successful business with obvious flaws, some loopholes, etc., Obviously, the one thing that you want to do at the first sign of any kind of trouble is dun, 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 get the government involved, right? Obviously, that bunch on Capitol Hill really seems to have things together as they've done such a good job with everything else in this country, right? I'm sure you guys get my sarcasm here. Uh, but the NCAA has been attempting to get Congress and the Senate involved in implementing some, and I quote, guardrails in curbing the recruiting inducements provided by these new collectives, right? Uh, NIL collectives. They have basically made this the entire point of their existence. Going so far as to hire former Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker as the new NCAA president just in the hopes that he might be able to get something done in D.C. Now, before we get into it, and we're not going to spend long on it, let me start by giving my thoughts on NIL, uh, which I've done numerous times. Uh, But since every podcast is someone's first, I guess it bears repeating, I do not have a problem with NIL at all. This is a market issue. Yes, at first it's going to seem crazy, but eventually everything will settle back to reasonable. The market will correct itself. The players being paid will be the ones that are actually worth signing to endorsement deals. If people were worried about teams just buying championships, let me offer up Texas A&M 2022. Remember, the talk was all about how much they paid to get that number one recruiting class, which they then turned into a 5-7 and seven record, and then a good portion of that class immediately transferred out. So do with that what you will. I think it's a perfect example. So Congress has this session about NIL on, uh, I guess it was Wednesday, maybe Tuesday. And the uh, the politicians obviously knew so much about it. They, they called it uh, the NILs and the portals, etc., They're asking in-depth questions of the commissioner of the Patriot League as if they're the ones that are dealing with real NIL issues or collectives. I don't think there's a single Patriot League team that has an NIL collective out there. Uh, If you want to read more about this, go read Ross Dellinger's article over at Sports Illustrated. There's no sense in diving into what actually happened for me, right? I'm not going to waste a ton of time on the show. Uh, Just know that you had Congress people basically cheerleading at this. You had one guy wearing his Georgia gear. He had an aide stand behind him with a poster that was bearing the Georgia G logo. Uh, you had another congressperson stating it's great to be a Florida Gator before diving into certain topics. 
Like, they literally know nothing about what is actually happening in the sport. They routinely cut off some of the only people that knew what's actually happening, and they didn't bother to bring in anyone that could really give them answers about what's happening. Like, for example, uh, a P5 conference commissioner like Greg Sankey or a recent athlete that's actually had to deal with this. Uh, Bringing Congress into this, in my opinion, is going to lead to more questions that the NCAA does not want to answer. Like, just leave it alone. Shannon Terry, uh, who started Rivals 247 and now on 3, tweeted this the other day, and I agree with him 100%. He said, It blows my mind that the NCAA has been screwed up for easily more than a decade, but they can't give NIL one to two full seasons to create an efficient market before going to the feds for help. Look, I am pleading with you, NCAA. I know that coaches are complaining, but coaches will always complain about something. Give this time to even out before attempting to fix it by letting the federal government get involved. But bottom line, you do not want those people involved in your business. Period. Jeez, Louise. Uh, Let's talk about this. Is the Nebraska football curse over? Now, Nebraska has been through it ever since they let go of Frank Solich after the 2003 season. Solich went 58-19 and in his six seasons, which included a 12-1, 10-2, and 11-2 season before dropping to 7-7 and and finally being fired after going 9-3 in his final season. He won nearly 76% of his games. Now, since they fired him, 131-106, and 55.3%. Now, obviously, Solich's tenure started in transition to the Big 12, right? Pelini transitioned to the Big 10. College football changed drastically in the last two decades, to a significantly more national sport. Well, they are now honoring Frank Solich at the spring game at Nebraska on April 22nd. It will be the first time that he has been back to campus since coaching there. Trev Alberts, of course, the AD there, has been trying to get him to come back since he was hired as the AD, even trying to get Tom Osborne to call and talk to him. Uh, But the thing that got him to finally commit was actually Alberts telling him that it wasn't about him that it was for the fans that wanted a chance to cheer for him again. Now, Solich played at Nebraska. He coached under Osborne, and then he was the head coach in Lincoln before being let go and taking the head coaching job with the Ohio Bobcats. Uh, Just getting Frank back on campus is not going to break the curse that's been over Nebraska football. The curse was not put on by Solich. The curse was Nebraska changing what had always worked. Physical line play, running the ball, good defense, player development. Pelini had some of it, but in the end, the, pro, uh, the program had moved too far away from what made it successful in the first place. Having Solich there could be a bit symbolic for the new Matt Rule era, considering the way that he builds programs, or at least that we've seen him build them. Uh, as an unbiased observer, this is awesome. Like Getting to see Solich come out of that tunnel again is going to be a big deal. I personally am excited to see what Matt Rule's team is going to look like going forward. Uh, but this is, this is awesome for Nebraska fans for that program, just all around. I'm excited to see this. Now, on the other side, we have got a D2 National Championship coach suspended, and you will not believe this story. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, Texas head coach. May I let something slip about Red River? We got a new staffer at UCLA, which I'm sure you're going to be interested in. Which games can hit 2 million viewers in 2023? Recruiting updates and more. Let's check out some things you should know about. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, expert game analysis only on the BetUS TV College football channel. 
If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or whatever's your favorite podcast app. And if your app allows it, leave a five-star written review. Visit the Winning Cures Everything web store to get all kinds of football shirts, hats, hoodies, mugs, and more. Visit winningcureseverything.com slash store to see what all we've added. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And now, back to the show. Last week, the NCAA suspended back-to-back national championship coach Tony Anise of Ferris State for one game. And you are not going to believe the two violations or which game he was suspended for. I'm telling you, this is absolutely absurd. Now, first off, the violations. Players stole some stickers that were put on the walls of the stadium, of the locker room, where the D2 National Championship game was played. Uh, The next one, these are both absurd, by the way. Two players lit up cigars in the locker room after winning their second straight title. Now, we have seen... Stetson Bennett at Georgia and Joe Burrow at LSU light up cigars in the locker room after winning titles. Uh, nothing was done to those guys. Nothing was done to the schools, etc. The difference in this situation compared to those. McKinney ISD Stadium in McKinney, Texas, which is where the title game was held for Division II, they are a strict tobacco-free high school campus. Now, the players had been warned about this, and they knew the severity of it, but two of the players did it anyway. So, stickers and cigars. Obviously, these guys are troublemakers. We got to hammer them, right? The school had to pay a $15,000 cleaning and repair expense to McKinney, a $2,500 fine to the NCAA. They received a public uh, reprimand, and the most insane one, quoting from the NCAA, a one-game suspension for a niece from coaching the next NCAA championship playoff game in which he would otherwise be a coach. They suspended this man from the next playoff game the team makes. That is absurd. I mean, you want to talk about an expensive couple of cigars? I mean, this is this is nuts. People always joke about, like, some SEC team must have done something pretty bad for them to hammer fair state like this. In this case, it must be true, because I cannot figure this out. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you can you can search for this story, but it's, it's bananas. Uh, and the guys... Ferris State is saying, hey, we agree with it. We understand. They knew the rules. Da, 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 da. Like, I get what they're trying to do. Give me a friggin' break. Like, this is absolutely insane. Ugh. All right, next up. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian went on Barstool's Bussin' with the Boys podcast and talked for about 20 minutes with him about, well, like everything, I guess. Uh, but towards the end of it, they talked about what is the best rivalry in college football. Now, they mentioned Ohio State-Michigan, the Iron Bowl. Uh, and, of course, one of the hosts played at Nebraska, so they talked about Nebraska-Iowa. Which, I mean, come on. Uh, but they started talking about Texas-Oklahoma, right? Let me quote Sark here. He said, you go to Dallas, you're at the State Fair. The stadium is split 50-50 right down the middle. The locker rooms, when you come out, you're about 10 yards apart. Both teams are right there. It's at the old Cotton Bowl. You know, we're not in Jerry's world yet. You know, we're on the grass. 
It's like a really cool setting, man. It's something that I've never experienced in a game like that where the fans are split 50-50, and they're not split. Like, they're split at the 50-yard line. So in one end of the field, it's a home game. You get to the other end of the field, it's a road game. And he continued on, but you notice what he said there? I'll give you a couple seconds here. He said, it's at the old Cotton Bowl. We're not in Jerry's world yet. Now, this is one of the oldest rivalries in one of the oldest stadiums. Metal benches with no backs. No suites, or if, if there are any, uh, it's not many, right? And you know that they ain't updated. Uh, this is as old school as football gets now. It's a look back in time. And even though Texas AD Chris Del Conte recently stated that there's no plans to move the Red River shootout away from the old Cotton Bowl and the State Fair in Dallas, Sark may have just let it slip that eventually they're going to move this thing over to AT&T Stadium, the home of the Cowboys in Arlington. Now, will they make more money by moving it? Yes. Will it be, I guess, cleaner? Yes. But it's going to lose something, even if they keep it 50-50. Like, these... All of this stuff just blows my mind, right? These neutral site NFL stadiums feel too corporate. It loses the grit. Like, they'll sell more skyboxes and suites. People will be more comfortable indoors, I imagine. But it loses the feel of the game. Like, that rough realness of it, right? As everything else is changing with this sport, I suppose that this makes sense. But man... I just hope it holds off a little bit longer. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Toss them into the comments there. Let me know what you think. Uh, quick reminder, now that we're talking about that, go on and hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you have not done so already. It's a one-man operation here. That's me. So every like, every subscribe, every podcast review, uh, and every share, right? Tossing it out to your friends. Tell your friends about it. It really helps me out along with picking up something from the merch store like, uh, like this hat here that you see. You, you can grab this from our merch store. I mean, it's good stuff. It's, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm a fan of it. All right. We got a few more topics to hit. Back in spring 2017, Chip Kelly went and, uh, and spent a week with Navy, exchanging ideas with the coaching staff there after his time in the NFL. Now this thing has come full circle. Former Navy coach Ken Niamatololo has been hired as the new director of leadership at UCLA. Now, per CBS, this is an advisory role, both on and off the field. And I can't tell you of a better spot for Ken to end up. Like He gets to live in L.A., enjoy the weather, work with a coach that loves the running game, and who just convinced Carson Steele to transfer in from Ball State for this season. Like I cannot imagine what schemes he and Chip are going to draw up this year, but this was pretty exciting to see. I'm, I'm excited about this. All right, since 2015... There have only been 21 regular season football games to break 10 million viewers. Now, we had five in 2022, only two in 2021, zero in 2020, of course, the COVID season, three in 2019, two in 2018, and three each in 2017, 16, and 15. So we can imagine that there's probably going to be at least three that make it this season or somewhere around there. The only two games uh, that did not include either Alabama or Ohio State in those games were Tennessee versus Georgia last year and Notre Dame versus Texas to open the season in 2016. Let's just go through the list of games. Uh, I know this can be a little tedious, but, you know, I want to make sure you guys have the information here, okay? 2022, last season, you had Michigan versus Ohio State. That's 17.14 million. Tennessee, Georgia, 13.06 million. Alabama, Tennessee, 11.56 million. Alabama, Texas, 10.6. Notre Dame versus Ohio State was 10.53 million. All right, back in 2021, 
Ohio State, Michigan, 15.89 million, and Alabama versus Auburn, 10.36 million. In 2019, you had Ohio State versus Michigan with 12.42 million, Alabama, Auburn with 11.43 million, and the most watched that season, LSU versus Alabama with 16.64 million. Going back to 2018, Michigan versus Ohio State was 13.2, Alabama versus LSU was 11.53. 2017. All right, now we've got three each this season. Uh, Alabama-Auburn, 13.47. Alabama-Florida State, 12.34 million. Ohio State-Michigan, 10.51 million. 2016. Very interesting ones here. Michigan versus Ohio State was 16.841 million. Alabama versus LSU was 10.385. Notre Dame versus Texas was 10.945 million. All right, now, 2015, the last one we're going to hit. Ohio State-Michigan, 10.83 million. Michigan State versus Ohio State. You guys remember the upset. 11.052 million. And LSU versus Alabama that year, 11.063 million. So now, of course, we got to figure out which games can hit 10 million this year. Now, looking through the schedule, I did the homework for you, but I am curious your comments. Toss them in the chat. Let me know which games you think could actually hit 10 million this year. There is nothing in week one that can come close. But in week two, we do have Texas traveling to Tuscaloosa. Now, the only way that I see that one hitting 10 million is if it happens to be on CBS. That's just about the only possible way that it could happen. I don't think ESPN has a large enough footprint, mainly because ESPN has never had a 10 million viewer college football game. Week three looks bare. Uh, in week four, we do have Ohio State at Notre Dame. Now, for that to hit 10 million, it would need to be on at a different time than the Florida State Clemson game in Death Valley, I think. Uh, the question here, would ABC put that Clemson game on in the afternoon and let NBC have Ohio State Irish at night? Or, or vice versa, right? You've also got that as the opening weekend of SEC play. So CBS uh, is going to have something like Auburn at Texas A&M or Ole Miss at Alabama going on. That could take away viewers. So that, that's an interesting spot. Uh, moving along to week eight, Tennessee versus Alabama did it last year. That could be interesting. Along with Penn State versus Ohio State, both would depend on timing and whether or not all of those teams are good, obviously. Uh, but those could be massive tilts on the same day. Big Noon heading into CBS, both hitting $10 million. Like That's a possibility, and it could be a massive, massive day uh, for both of those conferences. And uh, I guess the TV networks as well. If LSU is undefeated, or at least close to it, along with Alabama, I could see that game, a potential SEC West championship game in Tuscaloosa in Week 10, as something that might work. Right, Last year's game drew over 7 million viewers on ESPN. It was the same day as Georgia versus Tennessee. Like it, You already had a bunch of people watching football that day, uh, and it was a basically an SEC West uh, championship game. And of course, at the end of the season, you've got Alabama versus Auburn. Uh, it's the first meeting of Hugh Freeze and Saban in the Iron Bowl. And then you got Michigan versus Ohio State with the Buckeyes you know, going into the big house trying to break their first two-game losing streak to the Wolverines since 1999 and 2000. Uh, we had five games reach $10 million last year. I'm going to assume that we don't get there this year. Uh, but let me know what you think in the comments. What games do you think I missed here? Which ones can actually hit $10 million? Uh, Texas-Oklahoma has not done it in quite some time. And both of those teams not in the national title picture. I, I doubt it happens. But either way, let me know exactly what you think here. Uh, speaking of Big 12, of course... Sean Snyder, son of former Kansas State coach Bill Snyder, and, of course, the former Illinois special teams coach, has been hired as special assistant 
to coach Lance Leipold at Tech or at uh, Kansas. Excuse me. Uh, the Sunflower Showdown rivalry appears to have a new wrinkle, right? Honestly, uh, Kansas State fans are taking it incredibly well. I'm sure you can imagine. Message board geniuses on Twitter posted some of the quotes from KStateOnline.com. I had to toss them out here. MRA Cat said, I don't want to be dramatic, but we need to rename the stadium now. <laughs> SCK Wildcat 42 said, Time to take Bill's statue down. And We Are Wildcats said, If he didn't want to be trashed, he wouldn't have taken the job at KU. This had to be an intentional slap at his alma mater. Now, any reasonable reasonable person would say that this is crazy, right? Forget what Bill Snyder did. His son took a job with our rival. To hell with him. Like, this is, rivalries are obviously so logical, right? I think the question has to be, like, why didn't he have a job offer from Kansas State? Like, just something to ponder. Like, you don't think he would have worked at Kansas State if he was offered? Like, you think he wants to go to Kansas? I mean, this is absurd. The guy's taking a job that he thinks best fits him. He wanted to get closer to his family. If Kansas was the job that offered him and Kansas State didn't, just a guess. All right, we got some 2024 recruiting updates to get through right quick. Uh, We'll start with highly rated quarterback Jake Merklinger out of Calvary Day School in Savannah, Georgia. He committed to Tennessee over Georgia, North Carolina, and Michigan State. Now, Andrew Ivins from 247 said Merklinger is no stranger to RPOs, is likely going to find the most success on Saturdays in a balanced offensive scheme that wants its quarterback to function almost like a point guard. Uh, Overall, uh, he should be viewed as someone that could eventually win games on Saturdays. Now, Heupel's offense is going to attract good quarterbacks. This is just another sign of that after uh, Nico Iamalieva last year, right? Uh, Five-star 2023 tight end Deuce Robinson, uh, who had held off from announcing his commitment on signing day. Uh, He was trying to decide if he was going to play professional baseball or not. Uh, He committed to USC this week. Now, that's a a massive get. He is going to be a monster in Lincoln Riley's offense. An absolute monster. Uh, And finally, Michigan. Yes, Michigan, got a commitment from 2024 five-star quarterback Jaden Davis out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He is their first five-star in that class. And I don't think I can stress how big this is. It it could propel Harbaugh and company to way bigger things on the recruiting trail. Guys like this, big-time quarterbacks that everybody wants to play with, typically recruit other super-talented guys to come play with them. So this is a massive get for the Wolverines. Uh, Again, I cannot stress how important that is. Uh, speaking of Charlotte, we got a schedule update. We got to talk about schedules, uh, and I've I've tried my best to keep you guys updated on what day some of these bigger games are going to be, etc. Uh, Tennessee is heading to Charlotte, North Carolina, to play NC State on Saturday, September seventh, week two of the twenty twenty four season in the Duke's Mayo Classic. Now, this year's edition features South Carolina versus North Carolina. Uh, I don't prefer neutral site games, but this is at least an interesting matchup, and and they're doing what they can to build up football more in North Carolina. So that is a good thing. Uh, it's another awesome non-conference matchup to add to the list for 2024. If you think I'm lying, go look at week one and week two of the 2024 season. It is nuts. It's nuts how many good games we're going to get. All right. Before we close out, let's move off football for a little bit. My last two stories to hit are what I call news of the weird. Okay. There's a new study out with a trick to help treat social anxiety. Armpit sweat was taken from volunteers who watched either happy or scary film clips, including Mr. Bean's Holiday, Sister Act, and The Grudge. The samples were then used alongside more traditional 
mindfulness therapy to treat social anxiety. The study revealed mindfulness was more effective when combined with sniffing the body odor. Now, the study involved 48 women who suffered from social anxiety, some of whom were exposed to clean air and others to body odor. Patients who completed a mindfulness session while exposed to body odor saw a 39% reduction in social anxiety, while without body odor, there was a 17% reduction in anxiety scores. Now, obviously, this is a small sample size, and there's more work to be done. But if you're feeling socially anxious, uh, maybe just stuffing your face in your buddy's armpit can help you out. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm going to pass on it, but to each their own. I mean, everybody's got their own, their own kink. Good gracious. Uh, and finally... You guys know that I like to talk about animals over here and some of the crazier things that we see going on in our environment. Two orcas slaughtered 19 sharks in a single day in South Africa. That's Yes, we have serial killer orcas. And, and for whatever reason, people are still going to see these things at SeaWorld. Like, the fact that they slaughtered great whites and, and other species, I think it was like uh, seven gill sharks, that's not the most surprising. What amazed me was these orcas have figured out where to bite the shark with surgical precision to only eat the shark's liver. Yes, you heard that right. You, you know those jokes that people used to make? Hell, they might still make it. I don't know. Uh, about waking up in a bathtub filled with ice after somebody cuts out your kidneys. <laughs> That's, these killer whales are tag-teaming sharks. One distracts while the other moves in behind them and cut out their livers. And then they leave them to rot. Uh, the story over at LiveScience, or LiveScience.com uh, says the orcas have figured out that the liver will give them like a full fatty, nutritious meal, and they don't have to eat the full shark. Because apparently, eating a full shark can dull their teeth, among other things. Like, this is terrifying stuff. And nobody knows what this is going to mean for the ecosystem down there. This could have serious effects on the environment because you're getting rid of you know some of these predators. I... I, I don't know. Like, this is absolutely bonkers. Go read it for yourself. It's it's very interesting stuff. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of Winning Cures Everything. Again, if you have not already, click that like button for me. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and the podcast. Remember the goal. I'm trying to get to 10,000 subscribers this year. Uh, also, make sure and jump in the comments. I want to know what you think about everything we discussed today. Make sure that you get signed up at BetUS, and as always, if there's something you want me to talk about on the show, uh, feel free to hit me up at GaryWCE on Twitter, or you can email me, Gary at winningcureseverything.com, or as I mentioned, you can always toss it in the comments or a podcast review on Apple Podcasts. All right, I hope you all have wonderful weeks and a wonderful weekend if you're listening to this on the weekend. A lot of you will probably listen to it on Monday. But anyway, until next time, take care of yourself, take care of each other, God bless college football and, and of course, hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And make sure to leave a nice five-star review. You can follow Gary on Twitter, at GaryWCE. And the show is at Winning Cures. Be sure to check out the merch in our web store and share the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.